Welcome to the Mental Mile. I'm Charisty. I'm Christy. And we are moms, friends, and therapists. Hey, Christy. So good to see you. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well this morning. I feel like I am um, coming out of a little bit of an Omicron wall. So I'm feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> Can you say more about that? What do you mean? Uh, well, okay. So anybody who doesn't live in California will think this is very annoying, but it was pretty cold for a while. It was getting dark very early, um, but like more sunshine. I feel like I'm getting more energy back. I just had a couple weeks of, um, well, my son's daycare was closed for 10 days because of an exposure and um, it was just really stressful at school with all the testing, right? You know, I work in an elementary middle school. So all the staff and parents are, and kids were stressed out and, you know, you know, going through this surge, but I feel like I'm getting some of my energy back. I feel like I'm coming down from my Omicron freak out. Had a couple of weeks of just freaking out. Um, yeah. So I feel like I'm, I'm climbing out of the hole. Feels good. Nice. Very nice. What about yeah, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the same boat that feel like they're climbing out of the hole. My daughter's um, teacher just came back from like basically two weeks of like, she didn't say what she was sick with, but you know, I assume, you know, right. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are in that, in that place. Um, I'm doing pretty great. Last weekend we took all three kids skiing. So my oldest had been before, but it was my two youngest, their first time. And so we put them all in classes and um, I think they all did great. I was so proud of them because, you know, my youngest, he's not quite four. So he's like still three, right? So three-year-old going skiing. I was just, it was super cute. And um, I'm not very good at snowboarding, but we, we spent the morning, me and my husband spent the morning snowboarding. And uh, it was a good, it was a good, you know, outdoor, you know, free air kind of activity to do during these times. So it was fun. Yeah. And you got a little break too, to a little snowboarding date with your husband. That's nice. Yeah, it was really fun. So we had a good time. Yeah. How did you do like with all the gear and stuff? That's a challenge I haven't taken on. So I've done a little bit of like tubing, but you yeah. know, just getting them all up in the gear, three kids, getting them over, renting the skis. How yeah. was that journey, Charisty? You know what? It is like it's so much work <laughs> to do winter sports with a family with kids, little yeah. kids. Cause, um, a, we live in California, so we don't own even snow coats. Like, so we had to, I had to rent, I had to rent gloves <laughs> for my kids. So we went like the week before and rented, you know, my kids had to try and everything. So we rented everything from snow boots to snow hats to, you know, the actual skis and helmets and snow pants, everything, you know, we had to rent everything. Um, we do a lot of camping and so we have a Thule, so, you know, which is, you know, you see those cars with like the overhead, um, I don't know, it's like a big overhead thing that you can mm -hmm. put storage into. Right. So we were able to like carry all of that stuff because it's a, it's like more than would fit in a car, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. And you know, we had to rent our snowboards and everything too. So we had a lot of equipment and we just carried it in the Thule. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. think that's how you say it, Thule. I'm like, I'm, I'm unsure if that's the right pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember being put in ski school as a kid. And um, I just have this very vivid memory of the bad lunches. Oh, and yeah. it was just two sad pre pieces of white bread with like a piece of cheddar cheese. <laughs> and then they would hand out just like a candy. So we probably wouldn't tell our parents how bad the lunch was. That, but I just that remember not sustain you. No. Mm, it's not <laughs> satisfying my eight-year-old palate here. Um, right. 
but yeah. And then you would like hold on to those little, um, I don't know if they still do this, like to help them get up the hill, hold on to these little like plastic things. And then they just sort of, you know, like a conveyor belt of little children just going up the bunny slope. Yeah. The resort we went to had like a, they called it the black carpet. And it was, it you know, it's basically is a conveyor belt, like a real conveyor belt. And uh, so they weren't being pulled by a rope. They were actually like going up. My, one of my kids got to try out the chairlift. Um, my older one, she'd been before, so she'd been on the chairlift, but for some reason in this class, they stuck with um, the conveyor belt. Yeah. So. Also, my kids, they've up, I, I don't know which resort you went to, but um, maybe they've upgraded the food since your eight-year-old days. Because <laughs> so. my daughter was like, she was raving about the lunch. <laughs> I'll go back had, tomorrow, like, Mama. And salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, they all had a really good time. And then um, we did an Airbnb and um, the Airbnb had like a really nice outdoor space and it was Ooh. kind of on this hill and there was tons of snow. And we were up yeah. in Tahoe and Tahoe has tons of snow this year. So um, the Airbnb had sleds for us to use and everything. And yeah. the people before us had already made like a little sled route through the backyard. And wow. so my kids spent so much time in the snow sledding they did skiing they were sledding every day that we were there uh we built snowmen and you know earlier um over the holidays we went to utah and had a, a you know a snowy winter experience there so i feel like this california gal has had a white um winter <laughs> a white holiday. yeah 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 i love doing airbnbs now we did a little um family trip to the gold country before the holiday and we ended up canceling our trip to new york we wanted to visit some um older relatives there but we just felt like there was too much going on um but it's so great yeah they have like the sleds just right there you didn't even have to pack them and you can grocery shop and have some of your food around and it was really nice yeah 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 much better than going to a hotel most of the time. Yeah. But like, With it's young kids in particular, I think. So, yeah. 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 Although I have to say, you know, um, uh, this was the first summer of the pandemic. We went up to, uh, we did a little trip up to um, Sonoma and we stayed at a hotel and they had um, a robot named Rose. Rose the robot. <laughs> so cute. My kids loved it. We, and anything you needed, you'd call, you know, and you'd be like, hey, can I, you know, get an extra towel or something? And they'd be like, yep, Rose's on her way. <laughs> and the robot would come to your door. And, and deliver it. And deliver it. It was really cool. So, hey, that was, you know, plug for some good hotels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we thought today we would talk about finding purpose outside of motherhood or parenthood. Um we just pulled people on Instagram to see what they wanted us to record about today. And that was sort of interesting because I had revisited that book, How to Raise an Adult by Julie Lightcott Hames this week on Instagram. And it's something I just keep coming back to and I'm doing a presentation on her book for, my, for the parents where I work later in the year. Um, and she talks a lot about like finding purpose and reclaiming self outside of parenthood. Um, so we thought that would be an interesting conversation for today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it is a really good um, conversation, I think, especially for parents, because I think that's one of the common things you hear about younger parents is that they feel, or, or maybe not even just younger parents, maybe just parents in general, they feel like they've lost their sense of purpose or they for, they've lost who they are. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's like a common phrase. Um, I've lost who I am. I don't even know what I like anymore. I hear, hear right. those kinds of phrases. Yeah. 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 I was doing, um, 
I do sort of monthly meetups with the parents where I work. And I think, you know, being a therapist um, and having a lot of therapy, therapist friends, like talking about self-care and all of that is second nature, but they were sort of sharing, you know, it's been so intense during the pandemic when I do get time to myself, you know, I don't even know what to do or what I like mm -hmm. anymore. So I think right. that echoes what, um, what you hear sometimes. Um, yeah. 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 When you first suggested the topic, um, before I like got online and tried to do a little bit of research to be prepared for it, I just kind of did like a quick self-reflection and, um, and I, and the first thing that came to me was like, assess your values, you know, like, um, I like to always work from a values based place when I'm, you know, helping people and, um, you know, what is important to you? What resonates with you? What are the values that you're trying to teach your children and how does that translate into, you know, actionable things you could do out in the world? Um, I think also we are in this, the other thing that came up for me was that we are in this unique career that a lot of people have as a second career. Although for me, <clears throat> it is like, you know, it is the only career that I, I yeah. you know, went for, but there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, at certain, sometimes, you know, during that, um, you know, you've had kids and you're like, you feel lost. A lot of people go and find new jobs that feel more meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of therapists, um, in at least the therapists I know, a lot of them um, are those people, right? Where they're like, I wanted a job that was more meaningful. I wanted to have more purpose and therapy, you know, being a therapist um, kind of fit that bill. So Yes. I yeah. think now there is more of a shift I'm seeing um, just working with associates and younger therapists of people really knowing that they want to do therapy right out of the gate. Um, but I think that wasn't as much the case when we started and I was in marketing first before I became a therapist. Um, and then a lot of people too, I think had just like big life changes, whether it be health changes or divorce or things where they sought therapy and that was meaningful. And then, you know, thought about going back and becoming a therapist. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to values too, of course, that's such an um, important place to start. And in that book, How to Raise an Adult, that's what she talks about is think about what your values are. Um, and I think sometimes we get overwhelmed of like, what even are our values? So you can literally go online and do a Google search and just say, you know, list of values and there'll be lots of blogs and different things that pop up. Um, and you can just take a look and see what resonates for you. I think, um, one of my favorite like therapy exercises to do with middle school and up is I have this values worksheet and I have them cut it out and there's about 50 values and they just organize them in whatever way makes sense to them. And we sort of talk about that in terms of how we create treatment plan goals and um, trying to get more of that intrinsic motivation versus just your parents or your teacher or I say that you need to get better at this thing. Um, yeah. And I think it's something that we can do as adults too. And when you go through these lists, you're like, oh, wow, there's you know, more values than I thought of. And I think, especially for parents and especially in like Western culture, thinking about the fact that like play, beauty, pleasure, all of those things, adventure can be a value when mm -hmm. I think we're in such a career um, focused area, particularly for us in Silicon Valley, Valley, we forget those can even be values. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, especially as an adult, sometimes you do forget those the, the specific ones you just mentioned are, you know, kind of the ones that we lose along the way. Um, and so, you know, really kind of doing that sort of internal search um, for 
for what your values are is important. And like you said, they tend to give you intrinsic motivation. And so I think a lot of times when someone is searching for a purpose, um, they are kind of feeling like they're missing that motivation, right? Their, their motivational drive is low. And, um, and so we want to access, that's one reason why accessing values is really powerful because we want to access our internal drive. So um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great place to start. Um, I did do a little bit of a search of course, um, with our favorite Greater Good magazine. <laughs> what do they have to say? <laughs> I got a quote for you. So uh, two quotes. One of them says, the goals that foster a sense of purpose are ones that can, pot can potentially change the lives of other people. And the other one, many seem to believe that purpose arises from your special gifts and sets you apart from other people. But that's only part of the truth. It also grows from our connection to others, which is why a crisis of purpose is often a symptom of isolation. Um, mm. the, the actual article is called How to Find Your Purpose in Life by Jeremy Adams Smith. Okay. Um, anyways, so the what came up for me, the reason I wrote those two quotes down and thought I'd bring them up is because I don't think it had occurred to me that, um, you know, finding your purpose often stems from feeling isolated. But the moment I read that, I was like, of course, <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I think back to like uh, the mommy burnout book and how her, you know, I, I would say the biggest tip that I took from her book is about, you know, finding connection and, um, you know, creating community. Um, and um, of course, in this article, it cites that as like one of the primary ways that you can find purpose is by building community or finding community um, and just finding ways to arise out of your isolation. Yeah, I think if you look at like values and community together, even if you're feeling really lost over time, I think you're going to find things in a direction that feels meaningful to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and the first quote that I read with about, you know, like um, we often find purpose in finding ways that we can help others or change others. Um, it goes also back to that sort of community piece. Like we're um, we're kind of driven to like. Um, be part of the community community in a meaningful way, you know, bigger groups, yeah. finding a bigger why. So uh, the article has um, actual, like it has six different things that it suggests for discovering your purpose. You want me to Ooh, kind of, yeah. you want me to like say what they are and then mm -hmm. we can kind of attack them a little. First one is reading. Mm -hmm. And um, basically it says, you know, like you can um, widen your um, sense of like what, possible what is possible just by reading whether it's fiction or nonfiction, it doesn't right. really matter right um it just opens the world for you and i think you know we often think of that for kids right we're often like you know like you want your child to have a bigger um experience of the world but you also want it to be contained and mm -hmm. reading is like so much you know it opens up the world for people so um the next one is turning your hurts into healing so um you know, I, I, when I read that one, I actually was thinking of, um, I, I always say his name wrong, Thich Nhat Hanh. Is that you, how you say it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's how you say it, but yes. Yeah. Um, but he, I recently um, listened to one of his books and um, it was all about um, how we have no happiness without suffering mm. and how suffering and happiness are actually part of the same thing. And so right. um, I think, you know, even... I, I think most people can find something in their past where they have some sort of pain that they had to rise above. Right. And they find a lot of purpose in that. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Do you want me to keep going or you want to stop and talk about them? <laughs> Wait, keep going, keep going. Okay. Uh, the third one is cultivating awe, gratitude, and altruism. Mm-hmm. And um, it also kind of said, like, you know, you're not going to, like, automatically, just because you have an awe experience doesn't mean that, like, woohoo, you found your purpose. Right. It's more about cultivating, you know, the sense of, like, gratitude and, like, giving to others. To me, that goes back to finding um, finding a bigger re- a bigger why, which can be attached to values. It can also be attached to community. Right. <clears throat> but just finding finding purpose through um, attaching yourself to a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fourth one is listen to what other people appreciate about you. So I thought that was a nice one because I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. You know, like, what's the feedback that you get from people? Yeah, thinking about your own strengths, right? That was one of the things you talked about prior. But then also letting other people share with you what they appreciate. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. And then the fifth one is find and build community, which we've right. dived into. And then the sixth one, and this is one of my favorites, tell your story. So it's, uh, and it specifically said, you know, write it down. Um, and I am a true believer that when people can find a new way to tell their story, that they become empowered. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, I even think like this is like a big reason why I feel I became a therapist just because, you know, it's like helping people find not not changing the facts of your story, but ch- changing the lens through which you view your story. Yeah. That's so. yeah. That's so much of what therapy is. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, are there particular ones that stand out for you? Is it the last one? Well, the last one really stood out to me. The, um, the one about what kind of turning your pain into healing, um, reminded me of like specific people that I know, um, that have like, have done that, you know? So like, I am, I'm thinking of a teenager I once knew who like, she wrote a lot of poetry and then, um, she um, had access to a recording studio and turned her poetry into rap. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and yeah, and it was just, um, you know, hearing her talk about it was, and sharing it with me was really empowering. Um, and, uh, you know, I hear people all the time, you know, through the running world, you know, they, you have like a pain of some kind or a cause of some kind. And then you like, you physically go out and, you know, you, you run, you, you put your energy into right. whatever, this causes and you might even raise money for it through the race or whatever. So, um, yeah, those things kind of stick out to me. Yeah. I think, I think you're right in terms of, you know, the therapy world. It is, I think part of why I switched careers is that I just knew long-term I needed to have more conversations in my daily work life versus working on Excel sheets or PowerPoint decks or things like that. So I feel like there's a lot of community built into our job having those deep relationships. Um, And a lot of this we're talking, like for me, working with younger kids, identity exploration, finding out what your values are, learning healthy coping skills, like that feels so meaningful to me. And probably, because I had a really positive experience in therapy and sort of figuring out how to launch from like college to being a young adult. And what do you do when you don't have this roadmap in front of you anymore? And you have to make all these choices. So I think I very much like found meaning and sort of giving back like that positive thing that I felt from my therapy experience. Um, And then I also love what you mentioned about reading because I do feel as a mom in particular, like once I had kids when they were young, like there was no reading happening and that's okay. Like when you look at the different buckets of what you have capacity for, you have to prioritize. And I wanted to sleep and I wanted to watch like a 
some reality TV and like the, the reading wasn't at the top of the list, but I feel like we focus on it so much with young kids. We have picture books and beautiful illustrations and we wanna cultivate this love of reading. And when I finally had more time for that and was intentional about that, um, that was really helpful for me too, whether it be like fiction or nonfiction. Um, so I think that can be like a really great place too. And a tough yeah. place for parents, because when you're in the trenches, nobody wants to be reading. Right, right. Um, I think you know, reading is particularly for me, like a, um, I always know that I'm managing my stress well if I have time to read. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's kind of like my, my personal canary in the coal mine. Do I have time to read and, and am I enjoying the reading? Um, yeah. If not, then, then I need to scale back somehow. But, um, but yeah, finding the time, like you said, you know, different stages of your life are going to look a little bit different. And so finding the time to read um, might not be the thing for you, but like, what is, what is something that you want to take on that you enjoy um, thinking of parents, you know, like um, I recently with my youngest started doing music together again. And um, this is, I don't know if you guys, if you know what music together is, but it's this like uh, music class for children under five. And uh, I'm doing it online with him, but I did it with all of my kids from, you know, like from uh, less than a year up till they were about five years old. And before the pandemic, it was in person. But, you know, since the pandemic, it's online. But I have a favorite teacher. And so, like, I take it from my favorite teacher. Um, but it is, uh, it's just music class, just singing and, like, movement and rhythm. And, um, and I oftentimes, when I'm with my kids, will feel kind of listless. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what to do or I feel overwhelmed by it all or I have a too big of a to-do list and they're just, I can't, I can't focus on both things. And so I get stressed out. And um, one constant with all three of my kids has been music together where I can just like um, go and spend time playing and singing with them, but it's very structured. Yeah. <laughs> I need the structure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Y'all just learned a lot about me. I think <laughs> from that, like yeah. I need a lot of structure if I'm going to play with my kids. So um, anyways, I recently started doing that with my kids again. And every time I, or with my youngest and, um, Every time I do music class with my kids, I think like, wow, there's a lot of meaning that I find in it. Like, I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm giving them something, right? Like, yes. it's like, but it's also enjoyable. And so it's like, um, I don't know, I find a lot of meaning in it. So it's like, what kind of activities do you want to spend time doing with your kids that find, give you purpose, give you meaning? Yeah. Well, I don't know, but are you a musical person? Not particularly. <laughs> yeah, so, so I need a lot of structure around that as well. Cause that's not my, like doing art or things like that. And again, when I'm in the mood, because that's messy, um, I enjoy that. And I feel confident without uncomfortable, not with music. So I definitely took like the music classes at Gymboree. Um, and it's funny, like my kids remember it. Yeah. And they were so little, you know, or they're like, can we do that song again? And um, sometimes we'll be like a little dance or something that goes along with the song. And it's like, oh, okay. Cause you know, the music part isn't as like natural for me. Yeah. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah. Um, okay. So I thought too, I just like share some of the things that Julie like Hames talks about in terms of reclaiming yourself. Yeah. And this is also, you know, particularly what she's looking at is, Hey, we spend a lot of time talking about kids who are neglected or abused. And that is so important, but let's also acknowledge the mental health impact, the negative mental health impact of overparenting your kids. And I think right. that's sort of where you and I swim being in the Bay area and being in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of, um, right. catching myself going in there and trying to mindfully take myself out. I got stuck back in. 
trying to mindfully take myself out. Um, <laughs> and so she talked about, okay, really similar to what you said, make a list of your skills, your interests, and your values, see where things intersect. And that can be a place mm. to start. The other thing I thought was important is what she shared. I mean, I discovered her as a writer, right? She was a dean at Stanford. She went to law school, um, but I discovered her as a writer. And she said she always was interested in writing, but felt nervous or self-conscious or shy about really claiming like I am a writer because it's a creative outlet and subjective. And so just when she came into, I don't know if it was her forties or her fifties, she had the confidence to start writing more. And now she's had, she has like three books and, um, you know, it's just, I respect her so much as a writer. So it could also be that thing that you feel a little shy about. Like, I don't know, yeah. my inner critic's telling me I might look silly or that's not the thing to put focus into, or I can't do that because I'm a lawyer. I'm not a writer. Um, right. So I thought that was interesting. So I do think we all have a little voice in the back of our head of something cool we're interested in doing, but we tell ourselves that like, we probably wouldn't be good at it or it's unrealistic. Um, and that dream, we can get sort of farther and farther away from it. So I thought that was cool what she shared about her story. Yeah. And it makes me think, you know, um, when people are making these big um, sort of changes that sometimes are the result of finding their purpose, uh, you have to have a lot of courage. You have to be really brave and like sometimes take big leaps of faith. You don't always know if it's going to work out. You know, her her writing might have flopped. But she took the leap of faith. She did it anyways. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, I think there's a lot of energy around the words purpose and passion. Like I have to yeah. find it. And, and if I don't find it, like something's wrong with me, my life isn't meaningful. And it may not feel like an aha moment the very first time you dip your foot into something that might end up becoming really important to you. So just right. knowing like, you know, you don't need to have like birds chirping in the background and everything doesn't have to come together. But I think it's like allowing yourself to explore and just trusting that over time, you're going to find the things that are meaningful to you. Right. And I think that's a really important point because I don't want people to like walk away from this conversation and be like, oh, I only like if I find my purpose, it's, it's like this big thing. Right. Um, I think purpose is is also like that music class that I take with my kids that, you know, that's like 45 minutes of my week. It's just and it gives me purpose, you know, like in that 45 minutes and, and you know, right. maybe like 30 minutes on either end of it, you know, Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's stacked in a pile of many things that are full of purpose. And so we don't have to have like one solid purpose. We just have to have, you know, things that we feel um, uh, give us motivation and some amount of direction. Yeah. And I think too, we don't talk a ton about this and, you know, cause I don't subscribe like necessarily to a particular religion, but a lot of when you were sharing that list, I mean, that's a lot of what a spiritual practice or a religious community would give you, right? Connection to something greater than yourself, different opportunities to give back. Um, and so it doesn't need to be religion or anything like that. It might be through meditation or reading or whatever that is for you. Um, but I do think, um, I actually think in some ways it can be trickier for people who aren't part of a religion that feels good to them, right? Because there's that built-in right. system um, that just sort of helps you think in that way. And so if you come from something where you don't really attach yourself too heavily to something like myself, you it takes a little bit more effort to figure out um, what that means for you. Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to navigate it and find find the options on your own. 
Whereas I think um, certain organizations um, do it for you. I should think like education, you know, public education um, when you're younger oftentimes provides it for you. But then, you know, once you're like out of the education system, you know, like most adults are, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have that structure anymore. And um, and so whether it's religion, whether it's education or, or whatever, um, you know, I've, uh, I've taken my daughter to quite a few protests and um, <laughs> maybe maybe this is another overshare. But every time I take her to those things, I think like, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that like I, I had to seek it out. I had to really find purpose in it and, right. and take her to it. And um, I, you know, you you can find those things, whether you have an organization that you belong to or not. Um, but it just takes a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love introducing that and sharing that with your kids too. Yeah. So I know it's a big it's a big topic, but I loved that we talked about it. And I do think in general. I found with parenting, it's like this breaking open of a new identity. And then over time, you know, it's not necessarily coming back to your old self, right? It's integrating those two identities and things shift and evolve over time, but it can feel real messy and very listless and off-putting, as you said, when you're, when you're in it. And I don't think you can really, um, prepare for it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Yeah, it is a journey. And, you know, I think maybe like the final note on this is that your purpose might change over time. You know, you might have a different purpose, you know, at different stages in your life. And that's okay. You know, we are always changing and evolving people. And and that's human. It's it's human to change and it's, it's human for our purposes to evolve. Absolutely. I love that. So true. Um, So we wanted to, we haven't decided something really rigid that we want to do for the end of our episodes, but we've always sort of closed out with something. I think that's probably part of my therapy training and wanting to just, you know, have some containment and wrap it up in some sort of way. So we thought (laughs) we would share um, what we're reading. Yes. All right. I know you're reading something pretty good. Why don't you share first? Yeah, so I think I've mentioned it before, but the Bad on Paper podcast just got me more excited about reading. When I said I want to read more, I started listening to them, and lo and behold, I started reading more. And they are really all about um, reading for joy, reading for fun. And they talk about like um, the D, the DNF pile, do not finish, just being able to <laughs> let it go, right? Instead of just having it stack up and feeling guilty. And so I did a donation to the library yesterday of a lot of books, and there were some DNFs in there. I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. I have lots I want to read. Um, so they recommended this book by Maddie Dawson called Matchmakers for Matchmaking for Beginners. It was just the quirkiest, loveliest fiction novel set in Brooklyn. We're in California. So I feel like I got to go to a different place. Um, and the characters were just so vivid and rich for me. And um, there's a follow-up novel that I'm reading right now called A Happy Catastrophe. And Um, And I got both from the library and I just said, I want to know what Marty and Patrick are doing. Like, I really thought about these characters in a very like rich um, way. And I, she sucked me in right from the beginning. So it's been a nice, um, a nice read during the day or like before bed. It just helps me wind down and um, take a break from Omicron. Yeah. I love it. Love it. I'm a huge reader and I love, I love to read nonfiction and fiction. And, um, and so, but my nonfiction, I like it to be kind of light. <laughs> so I might, I might take that book up. It sounds well. I'm, it it's sounds a really, <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, the light book that I'm reading right now is called The Lies That Bind by Emily Giffen. Mm-hmm. And all y'all might remember um, Something Borrowed, Something Blue. Yes. As it was turned into a movie. It's That's the author is the mm-hmm. person who wrote that book. And so all of the books are similar. You know, there's always some sort of, you know, love interest thing going on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyways, I read all those books years ago with um, a couple of friends. And, and then we saw the movies. And um, recently I realized that she had another book come out. So all of us, again, are like, let's read it. <laughs> Aren't you like amazed when you read these books, especially like in Emily Giffen? And I, I was in that sort of like, maybe her first three books I was like in. And I haven't revisited her stuff for a long time, but like how prolific they are. Like, how do you have this much story in your head to get out there? I mean, she's written so many books. Um, so many books all in the same genre yes I just (laughs) yeah so much respect you know so yeah yeah in this one it's kind of funny because it starts out it's like set in the 1990s and she's like referencing like the types of shoes they're wearing and like the music and stuff and I'm like you know I grew up in the 90s so I'm like I'm like yeah this is (laughs) pretty accurate to me (laughs) yeah this was funny too because okay in a happy catastrophe spoiler spoiler alert there's a child that suddenly becomes part of their life and just the nuance that they put in about the Brooklyn moms was just it was just cracking me up so like this woman is like learning how to mom from all the other moms and they're like so we go to the playground and we eat this like dried kelp and we have it in very eco-sustainable packages and then we might um have like a bit of honest juice I'm like the nuance I'm like yes that is so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so very true. So the references were very, um, were very applicable to today. I love it. I'll pick it up. Pick yeah. It up and read it. We can, we All can, right, Charity. Um, well, hopefully more. this was a helpful conversation for people about, you know, finding their purpose at different stages in life, um, things that are meaningful to them in addition to parenting or in your parenting style. Um, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'd love to, you know, if people want to like hop onto our Instagram and let us know what they think of, of this particular topic, I'm, I'm super interested in what people um, are going through. So. Yeah. All, right. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to leave us a review and subscribe. That really helps us with the podcast and share it on social media with your friends. And check our show notes if you want to um, check out our books. Self-Care 101 for Busy Parents, which is an ebook by Christy, and Running for Mental Health, a how-to guide by Charesty. Take care, everybody.